podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode and Danny's Irish Outfield Road. Well, 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 we're now in 2022. Happy New Year, Liverpool fans. Um, and we're back after a long break, a longer break than anticipated. But we're in another cup final, Danny. Liverpool are going to Wembley. Okay, sirrah, sirrah, whatever. Anyway, I'll save you the, uh, I'll save you the bad voice. But Danny, buddy, how's it going? Um, and how was your Christmas and New Year? Not too bad. I feel like that's fitting that you start off with a song. As I said, I think at some point I'm gonna create like a, an album that we need to like sell for charity or something. There's just your songs on our podcast because I feel like there's enough of them that we can fill a greatest hits album at this point. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I'm good, man. Good, had a good New Year, uh, good Christmas. Can't complain. I was back in Liverpool, so it was lovely. Um, and yeah, like football wise, obviously everything started off with a bit of a bang. I think. As Liverpool fans, I think we've got to admit that we kind of worry about January, African Cup of Nations coming about, losing our best players. And I think there's always that worry of this is the month where Liverpool may just slip a little bit. Um, but up to now, I think it's been pretty strong. And I think getting to the cup final, I, I would arguably say quite comfortably. Um, you can't beat it, can you? Like, it's good. It's a good time. It's a, it's a cup final to look forward to. It's a trip to Wembley, and it's always a positive thing, isn't it? And it could be the momentum that our season needs um, with the, the players coming back from the African Cup of Nations. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think the reality is is that any cup is a good cup. And I think, as you said before, there's the whole thing where people say about it being a Mickey Mouse cup and things like that. But at the end of the day, as we said, a cup's a cup, and I'm happy enough to win anything. We haven't won the Carabao Cup under Jürgen Klopp yet, so I think it'd be a nice one for him to get under his belt. Um, yeah, no, as you said, it's one of those seasons, and the teams are so good. I think I think the Premier League is going to be a, a tough one to try and drag points back away from City. Uh, Champions League is always a tough one, but I think we're still in the race for that. And I think Jurgen Klopp isn't exactly given up on that to do the Carabao Cup. Um, but but like any good manager and like any good team, you you want to try and go for everything. And at this stage of the season, sort of coming into the mid to the end of January. For us to be sitting still in the title race, still in the Champions League, in the Carabao Cup final, I think all in all, you've got to look back on that. Even if we don't win the Champions League and even if we don't win the Premier League, I think we're constantly showing that we are fighting on all fronts. And I don't know about you, I think I'm old enough to to remember the whole Liverpool generation that we went through where we were only ever able to fight for one thing, where it was either Champions League or Premier League. That, and generally, we never even thought about the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup um, because we could only ever fight on one front. And I think even just as a as a sort of older Liverpool fan, to be able to see the team fighting for everything for for me that's that's always a positive. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy where we are. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. The thing about the league as well is, I mean, don't get me wrong. We would have been top at Christmas, probably three of the last four seasons. And it would have been nice, of course, it would have. But that doesn't guarantee you win the league, <laughs> as we know, unfortunately. It doesn't kind of play into our hands a little bit, Liverpool being the underdogs in the league. Because um, everyone's like, give it to City practically, you know. 
And then obviously we've got the cup final to look forward to Champions League. All we've always got a chance in the Champions League. And that's what we take the FA Cup a bit more seriously this year. Um and obviously I say we'll take it a bit more seriously. See like blooding in these youngsters in the last couple of months, you know, it, over these League Cup and FA Cup games, they actually seem a bit more established now. So let's hope that when we come to play Cardiff in the FA Cup in a few weeks, that the players have got that enough experience that it isn't on the same team. And you know, the squad has been hit deep with injuries, so it has this season COVID obviously as well, with the boys away different combinations. But do you think with Man City kind of going so many points ahead, it, it plays into our hand? And with the players, we've been forced to throw the young lads in, do you think? With them getting experience and Harvey Elliott coming back um, and players like this, I think it's a good thing that now that we could have a really strong end of the season with the players come back from the African Nations and all these younger players having the experience. So if you're bringing people off the bench or bringing people in, it doesn't necessarily mean under strength. If that makes sense, Danny, do you see where I'm getting? Do you see what point I'm trying to make here? Yeah, and I know we've discussed it before on the podcast, but there's always a big difference between tactics and philosophy and for years, Liverpool have had tactics and we've had a starting 11, maybe a 13 um, sort of player rotation where you sort of think there are, that's our team, that's our squad. And if someone gets injured, we're stuffed. Where now Jürgen Klopp has gone from us having a tactic to us having a philosophy to a, to a state in which you can see that anybody can come into that Liverpool team from the squad, from the youth system. And I think, obviously, Neco Williams has proved that. Cape Gordon has proved that. Uh, Curtis Jones proved that when he came in and all the rest of it. That, that anyone from the Liverpool squad, the wider squad, can come in and we can still play solid football because he's created a philosophy, a way of playing, sort of that Arsene Wenger kind of brought into the Premier League in the early 90s. They... That yeah, we, we play intense football. We have a system. We play down the play down the, the wings using our fullbacks. The the play at front three. They know what to do. They know when to split out wide. They know when to come in. And yes, obviously, I'm not turning around and saying, oh, whether you play Cape Gordon or Mo Salah, it's going to be the same job because because Mo Salah's on a different planet. But you can be confident that if somebody does have to come in, if a Harvey Elliott comes back, if a Cape Gordon has to play, we know that they're actually going to do a, a decent job because they're not buying into the, the tactic, they're buying into the philosophy. Um, and I think we've shown that. You look at the... Obviously, we're just recording this now, which is just at the end of that Carabao Cup match that we've just won. Um, and and you, c- you can't turn around and say that any player on that team w- was rubbish. Yes, Cape Gordon missed that chance that he pretty probably should have put in the back of the net. But outside of that, they play a good philosophy of football. We were intense. We pushed their back line. We we waited for them to pass it around the midfield and make that final ball before we attacked them. And then we went on the counter-attack. And I think anyone coming in, we, we swapped Matty for Canate at half-time and they played exactly the same way. And, and that's all down to philosophy. So... It's it's a, again going back to that point maybe before. It's nice to be able to have that because I remember a Liverpool team where we had a starting eleven, and if someone got injured, that was it. Season was over at that point. If we if we lost a Gerrard, if we uh, lost a Haman, if we lost a, a Hippier and people like that, that was it. We had no other options, no other backup. Where now we do. We have good backup and a good philosophy where players will come in and play the way Jurgen Klopp wants them to play. Hey, I completely agree. And it's a good point you make about the philosophy and the style of play as such. Over the last 
couple of weeks, we've had some different goal scorers. We've had the Ox getting a couple of goals. We've had Minamino getting in there with goals. Obviously, Kate Gordon. Um, Jota has been chipping in Bobby Firmino. Um, with these boys being away at the African Nations Cup, do you think it's important that these boys that we've mentioned keep getting goals, Danny? Because without the shadow of a doubt, I know Manny had a little bit of an indifferent form over the last couple of months before he went away, but he was always chipping them with a goalie in there. And the thing about Manny was, even if he didn't score, he was such a threat with his pace and the style of play that it maybe would create space for Firmino or Salah to score. And then obviously we don't really need to talk about Mo Salah, but do you think it's good that these other players are chipping in with goals? It's crucial, isn't it? I think the reality is is that not just for now, while while Mane and Salah and Keita are, are away on on African Cup of Nations leave, but it's important for the squad going forward that, that we've said before about creating this competition, and we need that. And in order to create a competition, you need to have players that, that you know can come onto a pitch and score goals. And for me, Jota has been worth every penny that we've paid for him just in the last two, three weeks. That he has kind of stepped up and took on that role as sort of I am the leader, I'm the person that you can look to to get goals. And obviously, the Carabao Cup was was proof of that with the two goals he scored, both of them absolute quality. But then, as you said, behind that, you need other players to chip in. And we've always said like Salah gets the goals, but then you can know you always know that say if Salah has an off game, you always know that Firmino's there, that Mane's there. Um, that there's players coming in behind from midfield, like the likes of Fabino and stuff like that, that are going to chip in with goals. Um, and it's been nice to see that over the last couple of weeks, Minamino getting a couple of goals. It's always nice to be able to get Oxley Chamberlain on loan from the physio. Uh, he comes in, plays his one cup game, his one league game, and then goes back to the physio, <laughs> and that's that's always nice. Um, so it's nice that we've got that rotation in there. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, a funny joke about the Ox, but it, it, it's a weird one with Oxley Chamberlain because. When we, I think I can't remember the game we played. I don't know. It was Arsenal. It was Arsenal in the League Cup, and we went down. They went down to ten men. I think that game was crying out for say Chamberlain. And then we started against Brentford, and he gets the goal against Brentford. And I'm like, why didn't he start? And then tonight, I think he's out with a niggly injury, and yep. he didn't even get on the pitch. And he's sitting there, and it's so true. It's it's, it's so frustrating. Um, dare I say, maybe it would have been nice to get him, maybe Coutinho back from Barcelona as a wee option, but um, he's away with he's with Villa now, which. I know we're going to discuss Aston Villa and Stevie G in the next podcast, but um, it would have been interesting to get maybe someone like that in. But a bit of good news. Um, Harvey Elliott is um, training. He's been having training matches and he's due in the squad in the next week or two. So how good is it to see Harvey Elliott come back, Danny? I mean, he had an amazing start to the season, didn't he? Yeah, and you know what? It, it's always hard to say, like... Because obviously there's some talented football players out there, and we think over the years, like of the likes of your Thierry Henrys coming through, your Sergio Aguero's, like these types of players that have been epic for teams. But for me, there's something about local lads playing for local teams that they just have that passion that that kind of almost transcends them. I think Carragher, Carragher is a classic example of that. A player that at any other club in the world, for me, he probably would have had a very mediocre career. He probably, if he, 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 you probably would have put him almost in the category of someone that'd be pre- playing for for Brighton or like Burnley or someone like that. He was just a, a no no frills defender, headed away, booted that ball, got the hoof. But there was something extra about his game because he was playing for his local team and he had that passion that 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 was obviously 
um, capitulated in the Champions League final in 2005. It was just like the way he played was unreal. Um, and Harvey Elliott's the same. Harvey Elliott for me is a player that has got potential, that can do really, really well, but is showing it far earlier than he probably should because he's playing for the team that he loves. Um, so I think it's great to have him back because I think you know that he's not going to be someone that will go onto the pitch and think, oh, well, I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to wander around here and, and just sort of get my feel for the game and bring myself back in. You know that he's not going to do that because because we know that me or you wouldn't do that. If you were playing for Liverpool and you went onto the pitch, you, it doesn't matter whether you were injured or not, whether you'd had a really bad injury. You go out there and go, I can't believe I'm playing for Liverpool here. And you just you just run and do everything that you could to be able to make sure that you stayed on that pitch. And I think that's what we're going to get out of Harvey Elliott. Like. A lot of uh, a lot of people will be like, I'm all run, really? Aye, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who knows me will, uh, will know that joke. When you've played enough football with me, Danny, that I, I would like to say I'm smart with my runs. <laughs> Just put it that way. You run up and down the wing being, frigging hell, boys, frigging hell. <laughs> I, 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 I get the point you're saying, yeah. I mean, Harvey Ellis, he's playing with passion, isn't he? Like Carragher did, like Gerard did. And uh, it'd be great to see him come back. Yeah, just before we go to a break, Danny, I just want to ask you, how do you think we got on over the Christmas period? If you had to give like a mark now to 10, um, what would you say um, that we did, how we did over the Christmas period? You know, what do you think? Do you know what? Christmas periods are hard enough at the best of times, but this Christmas period was just weird, wasn't it? The, the the cancelled games the like you you didn't know what was coming and I I don't know about you but as a professional footballer like you'd really struggle with that you're training all week to get ready for the game to get prepared for it and the next minute the other team cancels it and they were just allowed to cancel at a moment's notice next minute your training ground shuts down and you aren't able to train anymore and games are getting cancelled so it was it was an awkward one I think as a fan we found it confusing to know what was going on and what games were getting played so I can't imagine how they were feeling as players when you're thinking well do I need do I need to do I need to be doing training today do I need to be pushing myself are we getting ready for this game is this game happening you're doing tactics for one game and the next minute that's cancelled and you're having to change tactics to get ready for the next game um so I think all in all, over the festive period and then coming into the start of January, I think we had a few games that we probably should have got more points out of. But at the same time, as we said, we've, we've lost players like through injury, through COVID. I think we've had, obviously, Salah and Mane and Kaita gone off to the African Cup of Nations. So I think all in all, we can discuss games individually. But for me, we're sitting here towards the end of January in second place with a game in hand, and if we win that game in hand, we're only eight points behind City. Um, we're still in all the cup competitions. Like for me, for me, I'm, I think we're okay. And if I was to give it a mark, I'd say I'd go seven out of ten. I'm happy enough with it at the minute. I, I'll be about the same. I mean, I have games suspended, but when they come to play the game in a free range, do you think it's fair that players can have players that were out or players that have signed since? So far, people have made a point. Liverpool play. I, th- I think. I can't remember the game that was suspended. Was it, I can't remember it was Wolves or whatever the game was. Do you think it's fair that we get any new signings or they get new signings that were allowed to play them? Or do you think the original squad's from that they should be played? Or do you think that's a load of fluff over nothing? Me personally, I think just get on with it. But like people have made points that you shouldn't be able to play different players in a rearranged fixture that was rearranged because of COVID. You should play the players that you would have had, you know? 
Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I think automatically you would just sort of say, for the sake of argument, you would just go, oh, do you know what? Like, just carry it on playing, carry it on playing. But if you're a team, say, say I like a Brighton or a Brentford or like, like a team maybe lower down that's fighting for relegation, that's maybe thinking you can get something out of games, and you're going, right, there's a chance that we could have picked up points here, but t- games got postponed. And, but then suddenly your postponed game is maybe a Newcastle or an Aston Villa, who over January have, have transformed their teams in a lot of ways. You would be thinking to yourself, oh, wait there a minute, when we were meant to be playing Villa a couple of weeks ago, they didn't have Coutinho and potentially Suarez and Luca Dean. Like, they've massively enhanced their squads. Um but at the same time, there's also teams you you look at the likes of the likes of Everton, um, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of Arsenal. They've also since since they probably had those fixtures rearranged, they've lost a lot of players. So it's how do you go about that? Because they can't play with the original teams. Because Arsenal have sent three players out on loan over the past like week and a half, and so they're going to have lost lots of their team as well. And um, Everton obviously haven't lost their team, lost the manager, lost everyone, lost. Lost the dressing room, lost the fans. Who knows what they've got anymore? Um, so how do you how do you do it? How does it all work? I, I think I, I wouldn't like to be the person making the decision um, because I think you're going to have people hating you either way. I will definitely will dip into in the second part of the podcast. We'll briefly mention the sacking of Rafael Benitez and we'll go on to the Crystal Palace game. In the meantime, thank you for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk Right everybody, welcome back to the second part of Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. Now, we always say towards the end of January we start to see a little bit of where the relegation battle's coming in, a little bit of where the title battle's coming in and this year, obviously it's been well documented on Sky Sports, BT Sports, all the rest of it. Like there's a good chance that the people who stay up this year in the relegation battle are gonna stay up on probably the lowest point tally we've ever seen, um, because there's a big gulf between the top and the bottom this season, and up to now we've got the likes of Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich, Watford, Everton, Leeds, Brentford, all potentially still in that um, sort of relegation battle, depending on what happens with results in the next few weeks. Most teams are trying to get the stride, trying to get solid, trying to create a system. But Everton have gone a little bit mental and have decided to sack the manager. I've decided to get rid of the best left back that they've, they've ever had, who's twice the player Andy Robertson ever was, apparently. Um, and, I, and I've kind of thrown everything into a bit of disarray, brought obviously Duncan Ferguson in to try and steady the ship. But then they're saying now about potentially they're going to just bring in Frank Lampard at the end of January, which is an option. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on here, Ammo, but obviously we've seen a little bit of a circus unfolding in the past week. What what do you make of it all? We're going to touch on transfer market stuff next week properly, but I think it's worth talking about this this Everton situation because it's just a little bit mental, isn't it? Can we just sit there laughing for five minutes, Danny? That that, that <laughs> probably did the job, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> Everton Football Club are. Oh. Just be grateful that we're not Everton fans, you know. Agent Rafa as well. Agent Rafa, <laughs> what does he do? <laughs> he uh, 
<laughs> he, he buys Rondon, who hasn't played in the Premier League. For, sorry, he brings Rondon in, who hasn't played in the Premier League for two or three years. He can't run. He starts up front for them. And then Calvert-Loon comes back being fit. What does he do? He plays Rondon with Calvert-Loon. <laughs> Rondon's Calvert-Loon's like, you know, back up and he plays them together. And he still gets beat against Norwich. You can't buy a win. Uh, and then what does Rafa do? He sells the best left-back to Stevie J Aston Villa. <laughs> and then he gets sacked. Oh, it's hilarious. Um, I don't know what to say. Imagine being an Everton fan watching Everton be so crap and then watching Liverpool get to another cup final. What's that actually like? Imagine if you are that Everton fan listening to this, maybe you're one of our friends or family. Um, and I'm sure we love you dearly if you are one of our friends or family, but what's it like being an Everton fan? I mean, I feel so sorry for you. I really, really do. Um, what do you make of the situation, Danny? Um, I think injuries played a part in it. Um, Rafa had a good start with Everton. He brought some good players in with Gray um, and Townsend. But I think injuries to key players was the downfall. And I also think at the end of the day, I think Rafa, a bit like Mourinho, as much as the legends in their own right to the sport, maybe Rafa's tactics are a little bit dated. You know, putting 11 men behind the ball and hoping for one no win when you haven't got the likes of Torres and Gerrard isn't may- maybe the best tactics. I don't know, Danny, but um, it's funny. And I hope to get relegated myself, but we'll see. <laughs> I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I don't think, like personally, I don't think they will get relegated. I think this team's playing far worse than them. Um, like for me, I think Burnley are more or less guaranteed that they're going to go down. For me, Norwich probably guaranteed that they're going to go down. And then it's a battle between sort of Newcastle, Watford, I think Leeds and Brentford are kind of hanging around that situation. But for me, I think it's probably going to end up Burnley, Norwich and Watford. That's who I'm going for for my three. Uh, I think Newcastle will escape it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's just a weird one, isn't it? It's just, I think if any of you have ever read Stephen Gerrard's autobiography, he talks a lot about Rafa Benitez in there. And Rafa Benitez, for me, has got a, a very much a Marmite style of coaching by the sounds of it. He's very distant with his players and he brings about a reaction of either you love him or you hate him. That his distant approach either makes you think, well, I want to prove him wrong. I want to prove to him how good I am to almost earn his acceptance and his affection. Or you go, stuff you mate uh like who do you think you are uh, and we've seen both ends of that we've seen him at liverpool and how the likes of gerard reacted to that and was like well i'm going to prove to you how good i am because he never gave him any affection never put an arm around him or anything like that but then we've seen him at real madrid where the entire club went against him uh, and all the players turned against him because of his style of management so it is going to be hit and miss and i think he was obviously just a miss at everton um but at the same time, it's such a difficult one. He's like he said about the fact in his exit, this sort of exit interview thing that he done. Um, he said about the fact that our Premier League don't give managers enough time anymore, and I agree with that. I think the Premier League don't give managers enough time. It's a it's a proper cutthroat job now. Um, but at the same time, he knew the fans were already against him from the off. He had to he had to really come out and prove himself. And I think yes. You, you lose against you lose against Liverpool, you, you lose against Manchester United, you lose against Chelsea or City. I think people can accept that. But, but losing against the likes of Norwich, 
And I think that's when you've got to start going, do you know what? Like, you just you just haven't done it here. As a Liverpool fan, it's been great. But as an Everton fan, I, I can see I can see why, and it, it'd be annoying, but I can see why people were putting up stuff on the internet every week just saying, I hope we lose this game just so Rafa gets sacked. Like for me, he was onto a losing one at the start, and I'd love to feel sorry for him. But the fella got what a six million pound payoff. Like, there's a certain element at which we go. Do you know what? It's a cutthroat job, but I'd happily work in a cutthroat job if that's the payoff you get for doing bad. <laughs> well, there you go, too. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's funny, and I just I can't help but find it really, really, really hilarious. And the we the we videos circulating on social media of Darren Farley doing the interviews. And his uh, Everton tracksuit and his Liverpool hat or Liverpool scarf has just have made my last couple of months. I can't but say they've been brilliant. But yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, tell your ma, your ma to wipe away all your tears. No trophy for 25 years, anyway. Mm. <laughs> uh, as we said, it's just been an interesting one to watch. And uh, yeah, I think Darren Farley has been rubbing his hands together, hasn't he? Between the Steve Bruce saga at Newcastle and then the Benitez saga, I think it's it's basically made the guy's career. Um, and, I, and I've loved watching them as well. It's been very funny because although it started off as a skit and a bit of a parody of Agent Rafa, you were watching some of those games and the way he sold Luca Dean to Aston Villa and stuff, and you were going. You kind of feel like this is true, um, but there we go. <laughs> like it's it's been an interesting one. But as we said, now you're getting into the real sort of nitty gritty part of the season. Now the league's starting to separate out. You've got your sort of top eight who are top who are fighting for those top seven spots, and then you've got this relegation battle going on, which is as we said, has still got six, seven, potentially eight teams still in it. Um, so it's going to be interesting and. Every team's got something to fight for this season. So we're coming up against Crystal Palace this Sunday. Um, Crystal Palace have been showing a good bit of form recently, started getting into the stride, playing the way that Vieira wants them to play. Uh, Wilfred Zaha's hitting a bit of form again. Jordan Ayew playing quite well and things like that. How do you see this game going? Because one of the things that we know even going into this game is that um, Mane, Salah, Keita, they've all made it into the knockout stages, so none of them are going to be available for this game. Um, so we've arguably got a weakened team, Crystal Palace on good form at the minute. How do you see this game going, Amo? Yeah, and also it's away from home, isn't it? It's Selhurst Park, so Selhurst Park has got a good atmosphere, and Crystal Palace are a bogey team. They are, that, they, for me, they're the, probably the, the most bogeyest team, if that makes any kind of sense, or... The team that I've hated coming against, apart from the likes of your Man News and Everton's in my you know time watching Liverpool, there's just a team that always seem to get a result against Liverpool. You know, there's been some famous ones that we don't, you know, we don't really want to divulge. You know, obviously the famous three three, which is awful, and there's been a couple of one nils along the way. But how do I see it going? I don't know. Vieira's got them playing an expansive brand of football, which is you know it's actually good to watch. They're not like the way Hudson stick ten men behind the ball, give it to Zaha. And hope he wins a penalty. They're not like that. They've got a lot more to them. But in saying that, if we have any chance of winning this league, any at all, as you say, we win our game and how many points behind. If we beat City when we play them, that's five points. So you've got to make a make a difference of five points up between Liverpool and City. Saying that we beat City and we win our game in hand, games like Crystal Palace, you just have to win. It doesn't matter if Salah Mane, they have to win that game. Um, 
and it's going to be difficult. I will take any type of win. I will take an own goal right now in the first minute and just defend them for the 90 minutes afterwards if it meant we won the game. Um, it's so hard to see how it's going because, as I say, the players that we have aren't the players that we, you know, you'd love to have at Salah Mane. So I don't know, Danny. I actually don't know how it's going to go. Um, but what I will say is I think it'll be a tight game because I don't think Liverpool got that many match winners at the moment. So I'm going to probably go for probably a 1-0 victory to Liverpool. But that's me being hopeful. Um, and I think that the main threat is obviously Wilfred Sahar, isn't it? But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, uh, how do you see it going? It's, it's a hard one, as we said. I think it's easy enough to say, oh, well, Crystal Palace is sitting, what, 11th at the minute? They're arguably one of the few teams that's probably, like, sort of Crystal Palace, maybe Leicester, um, Aston Villa, maybe a couple of others, um, that technically don't have anything to play for. And, and we use this term a lot, and people say, like, oh, well, they've got nothing to play for, so they're not really going to play as well. The reality is we're still halfway through the season. There's still just as much of a chance that if they go on a good run, they can still quite easily break into that top seven. Um, we've seen it happen before. And the reality is there's still plenty of games to go. We've seen teams crumble. We've seen teams do really well towards the end of the season. And even if they don't have anything to play for in terms of getting into a place, uh, maybe Europa League, Champions League, whatever, the money that's in football now, there's a massive gulf between finishing 11th and finishing 10th in terms of how much money that team gets at the end of the season. So I think there's never going to be a case anymore in which a team just plays a weakened team because they're not as bothered. Um so I think it's going to be hard. As you say, Crystal Palace generally have been playing well. They've had a good run of form over the last little while. Um, so so who knows how it's going to go within this game. I, I can see Liverpool doing well. I think we've got a good system in place. We spoke in the first half of the podcast. It'd be stupid to turn around and say, oh, we don't have Mane and Salah, so we're not going to do as well. When we spoke in the first half of the pod about the philosophy that we've got as a, as a club, um, so I think Liverpool will be compact. I think we'll look to catch them on the break. Crystal Palace are very much a team that like to attack now. Um, but they've still got weaknesses in that defence and weaknesses that Liverpool can exploit. So it wouldn't surprise me if it ends up a draw, if it ends up like a one-all. Um, but I'd like to be optimistic and say with, with everything that Liverpool have got to play for now and trying to catch City, I'd like to think that we can maybe try and push as hard as we can for a win. So yeah, we've both sat there, we've both said one 1-0 and one all. A cagey game missing all players. It's probably a game that they're probably gonna go on team all five 0 isn't it? But <laughs> you just don't know. Another shout out to the strike as well. I think his name's Ed, Edmund up front. He comes from Celtic. Um he's he's actually a really good player and he gets some important goals. So um he's made a difference and obviously Ben Tacky up there is always a handful. You know he's he's gonna stick himself on Matty or Canarte and you know, make it difficult. So we'll see. But it's a game where, again, two o'clock on a Sunday, all the games over on a Saturday, everyone's gonna be sitting there. Put the Crystal Palace tops on if you don't, if if because you hate Liverpool, and it's a game that you just you don't want to be on the end of getting a beat, do you? But we'll see, Danny. All I can say is we'll see. But just before the international break, it's an important game to keep the momentum. And say with City being so far ahead, I would suffice to say if we have a week. Between now and when we next play City, where City win and Liverpool lose, I would say that's the title over. So uh, we just can't afford to lose it. 
Yeah. Yeah, City are playing Southampton away, I think, this weekend, a game that you would expect them to win, uh, unless Southampton have seven free kicks and Ward-Prowse just absolutely minces them on his own. Um, but yeah, I think these are the types of weeks, as you said, before the international break, just coming after the international break, I think where, where seasons can be won and lost. And I think City are really sort of getting into the stride at the minute, and we can't afford to lose points. So I think we need to be trying to win every game if we're going to really give City a run. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I think we can only hope. Uh, and I think Liverpool are good enough. We've got a good enough squad. We proved that tonight in the Carabao Cup, uh, that we've got a good enough full squad that we can bring people in who can do a job. And let's hope that Jota has still got his, his shooting boots on. But as we said, next week we're going to be coming um, with an episode. Normally we do take the international break off, but... With obviously Christmas and the extended periods we've had off, uh, we're going to be coming next week during the international break to talk about transfers that have been going on, uh, how we think Liverpool can potentially strengthen their squad coming into the summer, because Jürgen Klopp generally doesn't normally buy in, in January unless it's a really big transfer, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen in the next week. Um, so we're going to come talking about the transfer market, talking about how Liverpool can potentially strengthen uh, and looking at some of the other games that are going to be coming up after that in the FA Cup and also the Premier League with hopefully having our full-strength squad back. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining in. It's always nice to be able to be back doing this and chatting crap about football for a couple of hours. Um, so we always appreciate everyone listening. And hopefully you've enjoyed it and we'll catch you again next week. So thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.